Join us this week as Lee and Scott get very personal in their conversation together. What do you What do you weigh? <laughs> in the leer? Yeah. No. What do you weigh? Like, what's your? Yeah, I met in the yeah. leer. Yeah. Say, in the how much you bench? How much you bench? What's your BMI? Like, what do you? What do you weigh? What? No. What do you? What I met? You know what I meant? Um. So our max takeoff weight. weigh? Our max takeoff weight is 21,500 pounds. Welcome to this week's episode of the Far Aim Podcast. We have uh, Lee Griving and uh, Scotty Boris here with us today. We are going to continue the epic list of all lists. The Lee Griffing's old list from when he back when he was a CFI. And um, he had to cross out a bunch of stuff with notes that says it doesn't exist anymore. That's how long ago this was. But hopefully the the bullet points we cover this episode over the next hour will actually be relevant. And we won't get hateful emails from people telling us that it no longer exists. What was the one we covered last time that didn't exist? I forgot. Uh, I think um, uh, for area forecasts. Okay. Yeah. We did a whole segment on that. Oh, yeah. Area. We made a whole episode anymore? out of something that doesn't exist they're, anymore. They're not around anymore. Nope. It's all a graphical, you know, everything on aviationweather.gov, all their different services, they're all like a graphical for flight esque type concept now. Yeah. And they've pretty much done away with the forecast, area I, uh, forecast. I re upped my for flight pers- subscription for the first time since like 2019. It's pretty wow. sweet. What what did that what did that set you back? Uh, one nineteen for a year or for for a year. Okay. All right. Oh, Mr. you don't Griffin. want to talk about that. Okay. What's the I first? Saw, what's the first bullet point? <laughs> so th- this is gonna be a little bit more towards, I guess, gearing geared to talking about weather, like we talked about. Um, so the first thing we have is basically airmets, sigmets, convective sigmets, um, and they're kind of uh, what do you? Where do you want me to go with that? You. Have anything to interject at Wherever that point? Wherever you want to go. I forgot to start the timer, so I'm kind of focused on that at the moment. Okay. Um, Scott, what about you? Have you ever heard of Airmets, Sigmets, Convective Sigmets? I've heard of them. I don't really know ring, what they are. Ring a bell? Yeah. I've heard of yeah. them. Everybody hears it, yeah. And if you've done flight yeah. following, uh, even if it, there, you haven't had like a sit-down lesson about these services or these publications, reports, whatever you want to call them, and you've done some flight following for an hour, chances are you have heard from ATC. When a new one is published, they are uh, they have to, like a center control, uh, center controller, they have to tell you when a new one is valid, when a valid one comes out. So you may have heard that. So they'll talk about like a, you know, convective sigmet, well, whatever it is, is valid for this area till this time or something like that. And sometimes they'll give you a little bit of uh, a little dissertation on what it's covering. But for the most part, when you hear aromats, you need to think something. When you hear sigmets, you need to think something else. When you hear convective sigmets, you need every time you're ratcheting up kind of the ante with, with each one of those. But what do they mean? Anything? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so aromats, one of the things about aromats is, so for me, aromats don't necessarily, for my day job, aromats don't necessarily mean much for people flying jets, transport category airplanes. Um, they're for small aircraft only, and we all know... Scott, do you know how you would define a small aircraft? Uh, Somewhat shooting from the hip? Is there a uh, yeah. weight? Is there a weight that might come to mind? Well, I mean, would it be like... Like a very precise anything, weight. Anything under like 12,500? Is that the right number? Exactly right. Exactly oh, right. I'm good. Exactly I'm right. Good. I like, just call it an episode, guys. Just call it. Yeah, where do we go from yeah, there? Yeah. The bar is I'm set. So, yeah. I'm so smart. <laughs> so anything under, so airmats really apply to anything under 12,500. So for people going through their flight training and all that stuff, and it's a huge segment of the flying population is in these airplanes. I mean, you're talking up in, you know, caravans and, um, a, a twin otter. These things are, you know, still they're right at that, right at that threshold of twelve thousand five hundred pounds. Anything over twelve thousand five hundred is 
is considered a large aircraft. And then you can get into bigger in, uh, other categorization like heavies, super heavies, all these sorts of things. And all, they're all ca- categorized different. You've heard about wake turbulence. And they all have their own wake turbulence separation categories and all kinds of stuff. And that's getting into advisory circulars and all kinds of stuff. But the big delineation here and for a lot of government regula- FAA regulations is the 12,500 pound uh, number. And <clears throat> so air mets apply to only 12,500 or less. And so what, what, what it contains, you'll hear they're coded. So you kind of have to know behind the scenes, like what these are. And so, and I'm actually having to reference like right now, look at this document to kind of recall some of it, but you have three main categories, Tango, Zulu, and Sierra. And so there's, they're, they kind of make sense. They do, does any of that sound familiar to you guys at all or no? It does. Most that's like dumpable. Yeah. A question I had that's been racking my brain right now is, is there an something else other than the air mat or air mat that's for the 12,500 plus aircraft or it's just not really? So air mats are for light aircraft, small, small aircraft. I'm sorry. And then sig mats are for all aircraft. Convective sig mats are for all aircraft. Okay. And then why is the air mats just for the small aircraft? Is it just because lighter the lighter chop and stuff? Well, so, so say that again. I talked over you. Sorry. Not to get trouble using the word chop, but is it for like light chop and stuff that they're reporting on stuff that wouldn't really be significant if you're burning jet a? No, it. You're 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 exactly on the right track. That's all. That's really what it's about is aircraft capability and just general. It's all relative. So what might be considered severe turbulence to a uh, Piper Tomahawk might not be considered light turbulence or uh, severe turbulence to a King Air. And obviously the bigger the airplane, the more like the less susceptible they are to, to that phenomenon really affecting them negatively. So that's, that is a huge component of what we're talking about here. So, so we're talking about moderate levels of, of things. So, you know, moderate turbulence, moderate icing, and basically VFR not recommended. So you're, you'll, you have your three, the, the way you'll just hear ATC say, uh, you know, Airmet Tango is valid for whatever this area is. And they may, may outline an area. And so what that means is moderate turbulence. Then like, so to just kind of move on and kind of maybe sidestep a little bit, Sigmet would be severe levels, if that makes any sense. So okay. air, uh, Airmets are going to be your moderate levels of these things or if I were to draw a parallel, so when you're talking about Airmet Sierra, which is for VFR not recommended, that's just, you know, your marginal conditions, things like that. Then when you start getting into Sigmets, you start, there, there starts to become a little bit of a reason for why. It's not just hazy, but like, and so their, their parallel for their visibility under the Sigmets is like uh, sandstorm or dust storms, volcanic ash. Like it's not just it's not just poor visibility because of just normal atmospheric. There's something specific making it bad. So it's that and, next and level up that can affect anything. Andrew wants to know: Is it legal for What's small got? aircraft to? F- Andrew wants to know: Is it legal for small aircraft to fly into conditions that apply for Tango airmets? Yeah. 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 I, don't, I mean, I don't. I. I. I'm. I'm not the final authority on that. But if I saw an airmet Tango, I'm not gonna. You're not going to cause any aircraft damage. Any, Of course, of course, it's all relative. Who is forecasting it? Who is experiencing it and reporting it as a pilot report? That's all needs to be taken into consideration. What I, So professionally speaking, there's times. What I don't want to risk. Okay, so like, let's say there's a, a day. I'm pretty good with crosswinds and stuff like that. Just with my background and the number of landings I have, blah, blah, blah. When it's blowing pretty good, there's no, and it's not exceeding aircraft limitation, it may still be 100% legal to go. But what I always think about, if anything happens, I blow a tire on landing and I have just a little bit extra directional control issue on rollout after landing, and you know I deploy the thrust reversers like normal because I didn't know the tire was blown yet or whatever, and I kind of blanket the rudder, and then I don't have the rudder authority, and there's basically things happen a cascading type event, an error chain, if you will, happens, and who knows when it started. But 
you don't want it to start. And that's kind of the point, my point, but you have this error chain that starts and you get to the point where you take out a runway light. You have a runway excursion where you go off the side. Even if you get it back on, you still got paperwork to do. You still have responsibility. You're, the FA is still going to come at you. And my, what I always go back to is what is the FAA going to think? They're going to say, what the hell were you out here doing flying? It's blowing 45 knots or gusting to 45 knots. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of uh, ice on the runway or whatever it is, which all my numbers, you know, we got to do very in-depth calculations for, and we have a software that does it. I'm, I'm not a number cruncher, but not like that. And it does all that stuff for us. But, and it says we can do it. It says we can legally land and you obviously fudge it a little bit so that you bias towards, you know, conservative and um, it, you're, you're good. You've got plenty of runway. The winds are fine. But if anything else happens, you've made all these decisions to say go, and then anything else happens and you clip another, you're taxiing in. You're already, you, let's say you don't blow the tire, you land like normal and you taxi back in, you're on a parallel taxiway to the main runway and you somehow clip clip the uh, an overhanging wing or tail of another airplane and you got to explain that like the fa is just gonna be like what the hell were you out doing flying that anyways so that being said although there's no uh, limitations against moderate turbulence it's moderate turbulence it's not severe it's not extreme you're not going to cause any aircraft damage or any bodily injury but the faa may ask what were you doing why did you go fly that close to that thunderstorm or in that area? You know, what did you, what was your reasoning? And you do a little carpet dance and that's just what I don't want to do personally. I always get you for a reckless op. It's like a, uh, is a that catch a, all. Is that a charge in uh, flying? Yeah. 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 It's a regulation show. I we should know the number off the top of our heads, but we don't. Yeah, well, I, well yeah, my, I'm, I'm getting a far aim as we speak because I know it's really early on in part 91, and Tyler's probably already got it. I, you know, I'm gonna race. I'm racing Tyler. My uh, my my floor flooded at the old studio, so my far aim was destroyed. I gotta get That's a okay. new one. Uh, oh, old Hurricane Ian. 91113 or 91113. Uh, 91, Careless or reckless okay. operation. Gotcha. All right. Um. I, th- I feel like that's a thoroughly covered that line item, or have we not? Um, you got more? I just it? let me just sum it up really quick. So okay, so aircraft, so grace, gross. Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, I have right here written gross weight of less than twelve five. I don't know. I want to say it's twelve five or more. I'm got to get back to the far aim. Haven't oh, had to man. worry about that in a while. But let's. I'll kind of search that as we do. But so, so you have Tango. Zulu Sierra. So they're coded like that. So you kind of have to be responsible for um, knowing what that might mean. Because they just may tell you Tango. And so under that, things that affect light aircraft. So sustained surface winds of 30 knots or greater. Low level wind shear. We've we've talked about wind shear a lot. And a lot of big airports have lo- uh, wind shear alerting systems. And you'll hear in your ATIS, you know, um, low, lim- low level wind shear advisors are in effect. And, and what we should do to prepare for that and how we should mentally start, um, uh, how we should shift our decision-making, um, how, we, uh, how we change our approach speeds, our configuration for landing when we hear those things. Um, so that's Airmet's Tango. Uh, that's covered in Airmet Tango with the moderate turbulence, Zulu, moderate icing, and then Sierra, like I said, is VFR not recommended. Uh, and mountain obscuration is the note that I have there. Um, so you got to be responsible, like I said, for knowing kind of what those, sh- the shorthand Tango Zulu Sierra means. So this, remember, this is getting somebody ready for a check ride. Things that doesn't just come up very organically throughout the normal course. And, and if it does, it's a pretty brief lesson, I suppose. Um, moving yeah. on to Sigmets. You guys got anything else to? No, which, which one is the, the, abbreviated WS and we always remember that for like it encompassed all the weird shit as our memory aid like volcanic ash and like really weird stuff I don't we I don't always know said WS for weird shit but it had I don't a real know. name I don't know that oh one. Oh my god there's somebody where in do, the chat come on where do Lee's you the find, one who taught me this where I do you like. find these air mats mm-hmm. and sigmets at so like if you go to four flight and you go uh, what do you use um well I, I don't typically care that 
I don't, I do it. I don't care that much, really. I dodge, th- I dodge the thunderstorms. What a is just what I fly do. right through them. No, yeah. I don't. I definitely yeah. do not do that. I am yeah. scared of thunderstorms. Ask anybody I fly well, with. Well, can't you just go over them? Most of the time. Can't you just go over ah, them? Yeah, so I have right here large aircraft. It means aircraft of more than 12,500 pounds. So the note I have here is wrong. But yeah, yeah so more than 12,000, which my whole explanation was based on more than 12,500. So that's still yeah. accurate, but... What do you, what do you weigh? <laughs> in the Lear? Yeah, no, what do you weigh? Like, what's your... <laughs> Yeah, I met in the yeah. Lear. Yeah. Been, say, been gym how much lately? you bench? How much you bench? What's your BMI? Like, what, do you, what do you? What do you? What? Do you <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you? What I'm, you know what I meant. Um. So our max takeoff weight, weigh? our max takeoff weight is twenty one thousand five hundred pounds. So it's over for twelve thousand five hundred. What you're trying to say? Yeah, so you're good then. Yeah, and so as far as the FAA is concerned, the rules. What's a, what's a King Airway? Um, they're up the most of the like the B two hundred now is went to the two fifty, and I believe now it's the two sixty, the B two sixty. Um, I don't know if they've changed the weights, but as far as I know, they're again right up to that twelve thousand five hundred pound limit because the rules, as far as the FAA is concerned, yeah. drastically changes. For certification standards, um, client performance, uh, you start needing safety equipment and all kinds of stuff. So as a kind of a workaround, as they made the most cable airplane they could with that being the absolute. Structurally speaking, King Air, like the military, they'll fly the same airplane up to, you know, 14 or 15,000 pounds. And structurally, it's fine in all regimes of flight. Yeah. But us as civilians having these, you know, the FAA being the the oversight committee, um, you know, they're they're going to limit it. And of course, sure, insurance plays a part. But yeah, I mean, I suppose. But like the Twin Otter, for example, it's a huge airplane, 12,500. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Well, I'm sure there's a point where if you're close, if you're going to bounce around that number anyway, there's incentive for the aircraft manufacturers to make it less than... Well, all they do is right? they they the airplane can go can land, do all the stuff heavier. They just call it twelve five to keep it simple. If that's what you meant, yeah, they keep it, yeah, yeah. So that the it's almost like Absolute, a marketing yeah. thing. If you don't want to have to comply, if you don't want to have to comply as a business, yeah, like your operation. Right. Either works or doesn't and, work, depending and on how heavy they don't have to test is. the airplane to different standards. They keep them to the light, the small aircraft, light aircraft standards. So it's a lot cheaper for them to yeah. not have to comply with those restrictions during flight testing and whatever. Yeah, typical well, government, you know, to government stuff. That's why the the King Air two hundreds like that's right, they go right up to it. Right. But they yeah, don't go I believe the um. The king, like the 350, which I think is now the 360, um, I, I think they're, you know, well over that. Um, and they may have some workarounds too on stuff, but yeah, they're, they're well over that. And yeah, the rules change with the TSA. The rules change with the FAA. I mean, everything's different. I mean, we have to do like um, if you're over 12.5, you got to do the no fly list stuff. So it gets, it gets uh, pretty... You gotta mm-hmm. do the no fly yeah. list stuff. What do you mean? You yep. Like for check passengers? Check your, check your passengers. Yep. Yeah, I gotta check their IDs and you know, occasionally you have some that get flagged and you gotta verify their IDs and make sure the date of birth and stuff doesn't match. And so it's I mean it in yeah, it, it, the rules definitely change. So it behooves, you know, if you're a smaller operator, you know, if you can get around some some of these things by operating a smaller aircraft. And I don't know what all you can get around. You know, because, you know, I know my family obviously has done a lot of under 12.5 stuff, but me personally, I haven't done anything under 12.5. So I don't know the difference in, in the, like, the hardcore rules. You know, I only know what I yeah. have direct, you know, uh, experience with. But I know, you know, it's, 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 you're getting very close to paralleling, for lack of a better term, the airline level of, of security stuff. Yeah. So Okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So so if you're on a list, you gotta charter a King Air two hundred then is what you're saying. I don't know that for a fact. They may still have to do something now. 
you know, I don't know, but that would be, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that, that would be do. probably one way to do it. All right, before we move on to the next bullet point, Scott, do you have anything poignant to Uh, Yeah, I don't remember. Say, but or no? No. Okay. I wish, right. I wish I had a better way of rambling so there was a chance for you guys to interject. But no, no. This, is, this is great. We're trying yeah. to bob through the list. Yeah. Uh, I want to get this. We got to see it. We closed. My, at, well, if I, if I can recover all the audio, we closed the Ryan Eckel series. My problem with weather always was. Like now I know where to draw the line, the draw the line. If there's any wind at all, I don't fly, you know, if there's any weather at all. But like when I was flying and like competent, when I was actually a a pilot, my problem was always knowing where to draw the line, you know, like, do I fly or do I not fly? That was always a tough decision. If you have standards, there's, you're always going to be right. There's going to be situations that are right on your... Right in the mm-hmm. line, if that makes right. sense. Well, I want to get back into... like a factor. I want to get back into flying, and I want to, like, create a rule for myself that, like, if it says the winds are this, I go. If it says they're this, I don't go, you know? So it's more cut and dry. I don't want to be, like, indecisive about things. You're still going to have a day where it's, like... Yeah, I know. But it's it's, it's yeah. one knot below what right. you're saying, but gusting... Yeah. But, two yeah. knots over yeah. what you, what your line is, and it's like, oh man, well, yeah. I mean, I can handle a, a you know two knot gust. That's not going to yeah. do much, even though it, if it's during the gust, it's over my limit, and you just you just always run into that kind of stuff. I know. I wish, yeah, I wish there was a. It's hard. It's hard to set those. It's good to set yeah. them, but it's like when right. you're right on the line. Yeah, like if you're, if you're way under, easy decision. Problem. If you're way over, easy decision. But there's always right. those days where you're right there. Yeah, it always stressed me out, like on the, the borderline days where it's like, do I go or do I not go? Yep. So let's say if we had a hypothetical, and you've been so when I think of people who are like completely out of proficiency, where I would be like the most anxious about going. Me. I'm completely well, you're not out completely of, out of proficiency. I'm the completely out of proficiency. You're out of confidence. You're not out of proficiency. In my opinion, every time we go fly, okay. Well, I'm completely, I'm completely. Well, I know, out of that's ex- that's what I just said. Ze- I know, zero. I know, zero. So, and when I think of that situation, what if you gave yourself like a five knot limit? When I think of that, it's like, okay, why five knots? That's nothing. Give yourself ten knots. You'd go flying ten knots, right? And it's okay to say no. I, I didn't I mean to make to. it sound I wouldn't like do it now. Okay, that's fine. So if you call five knots, yeah. you'd probably do five. Oh, well, I wouldn't do any right now, but zero wind. Zero more like more like zero flying. You do. Like you z- do zero flying. Knots. It's right down the runway, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even com- I'm not I'm not even confident enough to take off. <laughs> oh, lord. Well, so I was thinking like you could do because Rob you brought up like oh, the gust factor. Well, you can put limitations on the gust factor. Like okay, I'm good in 10 knots. With a with a twenty percent gust factor, twenty five percent gust factor, you know what I mean. You can you could get crazy like that and then start running your numbers. Because what is not crazy about that is the fact that there are limitations like that at certain operators, air carriers, whatever that are spelled out somewhat like that. The, some air, air carriers, okay, this is my crosswind limit, or not air carriers, but aircraft. This is my cro- <coughs> This is my crosswind limitation, but gusts are controlling. So if you have a 27 knot crosswind component, that's, you know, demonstrated crosswind component, but you have a 35 knot gust, gusts are not controlling. And then in other airplanes, gust is controlling. So you can have a 50 knot gust and a 27, you're good. But if it's, you know, gusting to 35, you're not good. So those are somewhat realistic. So if you impose them on yourself, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And if you go and fly, and I know your like uh, your flight reviews expired, but if you were only worried about your confidence, no, it's, it's not. Oh, it's not yet. Mine is. Well, I don't I'm think it review. is, but it is. Moment. It is in my head. It is. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, oh, I I need a flight review. Like I, I see. I definitely need one. 
that's that biannual flight review, right, Scott? I need a bi. Yeah, I need a biannual. <laughs> the good old BFR, right? <laughs> BFR. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I like you being conservative, <laughs> though. That's super awesome. That so, speaks volumes. Everybody should do that. Yeah. Police yourself. You know, self-diagnose these deficiencies. And well, the problem is, I I police myself a little bit too much to the point where I just don't fly. Well, then just do the limitations like Rob just said. Give yourself five knots with the twenty five percent gust factor, and well, or fifty. I know. I need a. I need a. I need a. I need somebody to re reteach me how to fly. Yeah. Well, maybe we can work on that tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see what the weather does. Talk in the morning. All right. Tomorrow. Yeah. Least, well, let's, let's not get tomorrow. carried away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> my two, my two trusty you flight instructors, Lee and Eckle. Yep. Between the yep. two of them, it's like Lee Griffin, Ryan like Eckle. No one could ask for better. I just have constant like flight lessons. It's like it's amazing. I've become such a good pilot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did point out. I did point out uh, after you had left Scott on the last live stream that was on Pilot Ground. Um, yeah. All of your flight instructors are volunteer because I don't think you've paid for flight instruction since 2008. I have, I have offered to pay every time. so, And I will definitely okay. pay you if you come up here. Lee. All right. No, I wouldn't accept your money. But Scott's right. He has is, he is offered to pay every single time. Every single time. Right. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess that. I don't expect Have, have for you paid free. for flight instruction but since... Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, no. go ahead, Rob. Have this is good. Paid? I want to hear this one. I have, I have, I have. have you paid for flight instruction since 2008? Uh, it might have been 2009, but definitely not since okay. 2009. It could have been 08. Okay. It could have been 09. I can't remember. I knew it was somewhere around there. You just, you, yeah. you had enough buddies that were CFIs. You just so, said, I'm not. So, so yeah. think about this. So it's now 2022. No so that's, is that 13 years? How many years is that? Yeah. 13 years. So that means you've yeah, had at least years. six flight reviews. I've never paid a dime. <laughs> Doing pretty good. Yeah. Doing pretty good. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, the uh, next bullet nope, point. That's, I, that's good. I think the segue is good or whatever. Good enough. Sigmets. Okay. Um, so in-flight weather advisors yeah. contain potentially hazardous weather phenomenon to all aircraft, like I said before, not just light aircraft. So now we're not worried about that 12,500. So me in the Lear, Southwest in a 737, everybody all the way down to your Piper Tomahawk, your Cirrus, whatever. Everybody needs to pay attention to these. So, like I said before, you now have specific reasons for this. I, maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but there's a little more specificity, I guess I want to say. So, you have, you know, they're co they are still coded uh, kind of alphabetically, um, and I don't know all of them. They're, they're Tango, Zulu, Sierra, obviously, are covered under Aramets, and then there's different ranges. I don't think – I probably most people don't know it. Maybe a select few people. There's an Aviation and Weather Services – um, book you can get. I have one upstairs somewhere. I think it's way outdated. It's probably 20, 30 years old, but even it was in there and maybe things have changed. Who knows? But um, they're all still coded. The FAA, the, the ATC, to my knowledge, does not code them the same way they do Tango Zulu Sierra for air mats. They're a little bit, I don't think it's so much commit to memory. When you hear Sigmet though, you should probably pay attention. It is something that in, potentially impacts all aircraft. It's not like one of those, yeah, shrug your shoulders, eh, it's whatever. Sigmet's a lot bigger deal. Um, so we're talking severe. So everything under Airmets was moderate levels of things or things that would just kind of be, <coughs> excuse me, an inconvenience if you have a pretty capable light aircraft. Like I, what comes to mind is like a, a Malibu, uh, a TBM, um, a Cirrus, you know, a, a Bonanza, things like that that have kind of reserve performance are kind of designed for the IFR environment. I, those, those, although obviously still subject, but some of these things, you know, VFR not recommended. Well, uh, yeah, I'm filing an IFR flight plan anyways. Like that's not a big deal. Uh, Airmet Sierra. So um, Sigmet's now, <clears throat> they up the ante. Everything is severe levels or very specific in what's going on. So in terms of turbulence, you're talking severe turbulence, clear air turbulence, okay? Um, so something you can't like readily see to avoid. So when you start seeing, you know, uh, sigmets for turbulence, um, 
just obviously that's probably a big deal. You're starting to talk, you're bordering on potential structural damage um, at severe turbulence. You get to extreme, you're talking structural failure. Obviously, potentially catastrophic. I'm not saying a wing's flying off necessarily, but you're bending something beyond uh, repair or like normal airworthy state. Um, severe icing. And then here under Sigmets, we're talking about sandstorm, dust storms, uh, lowering in-flight or surface vis- visibility below three statue miles. So not only is like under airmets, it's VFR not recommended, like due to haze, mountain obscuration, you know, low clouds, all that dew point spread type stuff. Now we're saying not only is the visibility bad, but it's bad for a specific reason that obviously you don't want to go take a jet through that and ingest volcanic ash and sand and dust storms. That's all bad to anything. So we're adding kind of a little, some qualifiers, basically. You guys good with that? Any questions? So it's not, that's, that's what's abbreviated WS, correct? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's okay, what it is, I great. believe. I, I, got, I got this thing good. up here. I'm glad you um, did. Pilotmall.com. I don't, know, I don't know how much we have to worry about volcanic ash around here in Ohio. I think probably. No, we don't. No. But don't it's saying it's non-convective sigmet is the abbreviations WS. Great. And I always remembered that during for checkride prep as weird shit. Right. Because it's um, severe icing, severe extreme turbulence, dust storms, sandstorms at lower visibility, less than three miles, and for volcanic That's what ash. I said. Yep. That's W. That's abbreviated WS. Right. Those types of segments. All right. We got anything else? In the old school, in the old school yeah. stuff. No, that's the brain fart I had thinking back from 10 plus yeah, years ago. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I don't know if I ever, about. I don't know if I ever learned that. I've, okay. Somebody. can. So moving on, convective sigmets. So um, now we're mostly just gearing everything convective activity. And we all know convective, when we think convection, we think thunderstorms. Um, and so one thing I want to say, just like a little trivia, you talk about convective thunderstorms or convective activity, and you talk about advection fog. And maybe a way that might help on a written test. Convection is the vertical movement of air. You think of a convection oven, it's the vertical movement of air. Advection is the horizontal movement of air, which is why you talk about, you know, um, uh, like a sea breeze, sea fog, all this stuff, you know, onshore breeze, offshore breeze, creating fog, depending on where's where the warm and the cold are, respectively. So advection, horizontal, convection, vertical. Um, so convection, thunderstorms, vertical movement of air you have. And, you know, we actually talked about some thunderstorms. Uh, you and I, after Sky went to bed, right? Rob, we talked about thunderstorms last time. But, um, oh, yes, yeah. yeah, so you're... We're talking about those anvil Yeah, anvils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're talking... Yeah, you got this column of air rising and cooling, and that's what gives you this vertical, like, look to it, the puffiness um, to it. But uh, so now we're talking about pretty much all it's all thunderstorm related embedded thunderstorms a line of thunderstorms uh heavier greater in, um intensity precipitation um affecting like what does it say uh 40% of a area of at least 3000 square miles so that's enormous surface winds 50 knots or greater hail 3 quarters of an inch in diameter or greater so very specific now so we're talking about very specific uh risks um that you know and hazard hazards i guess i should say not risk hazards um with the convective segments all related to thunderstorms heavy winds hail a lot of thunderstorms a line of thunderstorms or embedded thunderstorms you ever fly in a thunderstorm yeah more than once have you ever had your plane struck by lightning yes more than once in one occasion really yeah what were you in has it happened on multiple occasions well, I try not to make a habit of it. Um, I was in jets. I was in jets every time. Every time it happened. Oh, yeah. High altitude. Well, you're here it to didn't. tell a story. I, I assumed you were in a jet. Yeah, low, low 30s, high or high 30s, low 40s for every occasion. Um, well, almost every occasion, somewhere. And you still got struck You still got struck by lightning even up there? I think you'd be above oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I was coming back from San Diego a few months ago, and... There were cells over Oklahoma City up to sixty three nine. Wow! I came back at wow. forty nine thousand feet, so I just I didn't think you, what's up? I didn't think they went up that high. They normally don't, but you know, 
the earth is heating up and yeah. Al Gore and John Kerry, you know, they're prophets, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's not well, good. Well, they're not they're not doing a very good job of getting it cooled back down cuz that's what they're supposed that's to be. That's what's supposed to be happening, right? You know. But yeah, so the the, yeah, the yeah. supposedly all this global warming and the characteristics, you know, um are just right. We've had massive storms this year. I'm sure most people are aware of that. Um and some of these cells are just I multiple times more than ever I have seen cells go well up into the 50s and 60s. This summer more than any other summer. Jeez. And so, you, go ahead. You've been flying way more this summer than you ever have, though. That's not true. Oh, I'm flying right. 70 hours a month with the airlines. I'm only flying 30 hours a month now. All right. No? no I don't know. Oh, okay. I just, we just had Hurricane Ian go through. It's just, just now hit the Atlantic as of this recording. That's well north of you guys, though, right? So... Yeah, you guys did you have rain, any though. any fallout from it really? <laughs> There's tornadoes. I, you know, I did see that. Palm Beach County yeah. is Palm Beach any, County and uh, the North Perry Airport where you flew serious, banners out of. Any serious damage? There's photos, Tom Pendez of a uh, tour helicopter we mentioned on the show before. He took all the photos you're seeing. Huh. Like, there's four like photos taken at night. Those are all taken by him that all the media are circulating of like an upside down aerial banner ink yellow pony and uh yeah did a tornado rip through that airport flipped some cars huh. down in Boynton I think mm. hmm. so yeah yeah it's pretty lots of tornadoes down here yeah no, yeah the main stuff uh, was west of us and north of us yeah they, I mean, they say that what the weather is just going to keep getting crazier and crazier as the earth keeps warming up. So, you know, the three things you need, you know, for a thunderstorm, yeah. you know, unstable air, a lifting force, and moisture. Those are the three things. That's on the private pilot written. You need those three things. And obviously, most of the time, lifting force is heat. You know, you have orographic lifting, of course, if you're, the wind is pushing it up a mountain. But that's normally, you still have to have some serious instability to make anything really happen other than that. You might still get turbulence and stuff, obviously. But to create these monster thunderstorms we've had, uh, I mean, it's just insane. There's just weeks on end where all we're doing, it's like every day I go into work, it's like, and, you know, I actually said this a couple of days, like, if you're a Jacksonville center controller or a Miami center controller and you're on second shift, you have to just hate your life. Every day you go into work, you know you're dealing with a shit show. Every single day. Every single day. <laughs> you're just constant deviations. People constantly asking, can I do this? Can I do this? And you're like, no, that military that that military operation area is active, so you can't go over there unless you de declare an emergency. It's like, obviously, nobody wants to do that. So they go to the left, they fly into a freaking thunderstorm and still declare an emergency. Probably, maybe I'm just being facetious, but it's like, it's it's just constant. So we were coming back from, um, coming back from somewhere in South Florida, I don't know, on the West Coast, but we're coming up, we're talking to Jacksonville center and there's this guy, I don't know, he's in a TBM or he's in something. He's a little bit lower than us, low, low to mid twenties or so. And something very capable. And so the controller goes, you know, so-and-so squawk, you know, gave him a new transponder code. And the guy checks, goes back and goes, they, uh, and we're, we've been listening. We've been on this frequency with this guy for a while. So we're hearing what he's dealing with. And so this, he tells this guy to squawk a new code. The guy comes back and he goes, ah, you know, the last controller just gave me a new code too. And the the new controller just goes, you know what? Keep a bad code. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> he said that over the radio. <laughs> and, and we're always making jokes, or not jokes, but we're always admiring how amazing these guys are, what they deal with every single day in the summer. And it's not like... It, it it just every day they have deviations happening. They have departures closed from all these South Florida airports. And these, it's not like this is middle of the country where they can, they have all these departures, the departures and arrivals all go North South and everybody's trying to deviate yep. around the same stuff. And you have such a saturated airspace is got to be one of the most demanding and skill based air traffic control. I imagine in the country. But what do I know? All I know is they they handle it well. I feel so confident 
like when they're giving us deviations that we're going to, that's the best possible when they're helping us make decisions, you know, all we see is on the radar. I mean, yeah, now most of us have Wi-Fi and we can look and see, get a game plan before we take off. Wi-Fi is good enough or the Stratus. We have Stratuses in a couple airplanes we have that don't have Wi-Fi that help us get an idea. And then we have the onboard radar, of course, um, to help us navigate. And then always, you know, CRM, right? If it's a single pilot airplane, ATC can be part of your CRM, crew resource management. You know, they're not in the plane with you, but you're a single pilot crew and you still have to manage resources. ATC is a profound resource. They have a lot of things available to them and more than likely you level with them. You know, they're going to try and help you out. Um, You making their life harder is not the goal. So if they can kind of get you in flow with what other people are doing that hasn't made their life harder, that it kind of just all works. It's all a good symbiotic relationship. Um, and they, those those Florida guys, I mean, those those center Jacksonville and um, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Miami, I mean, they do such a great job. We should definitely get one of them on the show sometime. I always just tell them I'm a student pilot. Just, just say I'm a student pilot. That is a pilot. Scott Boris move. Even if I was flying... Even if I was flying a Learjet, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm a student pilot. <laughs> if you do it enough, though, Scott, you just start to pick it up, and then you would be probably more yeah, so than no, most people. No, I did, I did stop. Yeah, You'd be I did just stop doing bitching and moaning about how like people aren't being fast and effective on the radio. Scott, If Scott had the experience oh, yeah, to actually do it properly, be. he'd be the worst oh, as far as having sure. zero patience the with worst. anybody yeah, in the I'd air. I'd be like, you're an idiot. Get yeah. out! Get out of the sky! <laughs> Isn't that funny? The paradox, right? <laughs> just, I know I Scott well it. enough to just point these things that out. That's a hundred percent correct. At least I admit it. Yeah, yeah. But no, but see, you, we really admit. can't say anything to him because he like he's like he takes that so seriously that he does just doesn't go fly. You know what I mean? That's true. Right. So yeah, that's, that's commendable. So, commendable, Scott. Right. Yeah, I won't do it unless that I'm okay. unless I'm competent, confident, and competent. That's I'm good. That's good. It. Yeah, you stay safe out there. Yeah. All, All right. right. I think we get, we yeah. got 18 minutes left. We can wrap. We can do one one more bullet point on the list unless you got more. That was pretty much it for convect. That was that was Airmets Sigmets. That was pretty much it. Next thing we have is Notums, okay. and honestly, I'm not 100 percent confident on the different classifications of the Notums. Um, there are now notices it's weird. to air missions, not air men. Um, oh, man. So you have used to have NOTAM Ds. Uh, I know you have pointer NOTAMs. Distant D used to mean distant. Um, and kind of just basically is a heads up on the usability of a facility. Um, that's pretty much it. An FTC NOTAMs flight data center is basically like your TFRs. TFRs is the big one for FDC NOTAMs uh, and maybe instrument approach procedures. So if something's amended on an instrument approach procedure, that's going to be um, under a flight data center FDC NOTAM. And then pretty much anything else that affects the usability of an air, of an airport or facility would be a distant NOTAM so that anybody all over the country can see it. There used to be local NOTAMs. And I don't even know how those worked. Those are pretty much done by the time I started flying, I think. I know we still talked about them, but I don't really, I can't, don't even, can't even imagine uh, an issue or, or anything with them. So, do you guys have anything? I on? remember the term. What? But local? I don't remember. Yeah. L, they call them L Notams, didn't they? Yeah. Well, or, yeah. Or Notam, Notam L, I think, is typically how they had them, like in parentheses on the back end. And, like, it would be something, yeah. for example, like the rotating beacon is out. That doesn't matter. If I'm flying from San Diego to Cleveland, it doesn't matter if Cleveland's rotating beacon is out. That's not going to affect me, my decision-making ability using that airport. But, hey, runway 24 left is closed. Well, it's like, oh, well, 24 right, this is just an example. It's not accurate. It's not correct. 24 right is, is open, but it's only 3,000 feet long. Well, I need 24 left. I need that 6,000-foot runway. Not the, so that would be a notum D, meaning it affects the usability of that airport. 
runway closures, gotcha. things like that. But local nodes would be taxiway closures, rotating beacons out or approach lighting systems out. Things that are relatively inconsequential. Nice to have, let you know that they're not, you know, you get out, you're shooting an ILS to minimums, you break out at the bottom, you're not going to see a certain approach lighting system because it's nodemed out. Would be a local, yeah. which is all gone now. Scott, Mr. Evil Knievel here is willing to do that cross-country flight without that rotating beacon on the other end. Is that is that a safety thing? You'd you'd still do that flight or just trying to get consensus on yeah, the show? I mean, here. I'm I'm on the fence. I I I I wouldn't care about that. That wouldn't Okay. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the point. And that's probably why they uh pretty much got rid of them. Or delineating so precaution. Yeah, during precost, Jared Johnson was trying to leave in his rental airplane back to Texas, and uh, Mama Boris scheduled an RC event for the for eight eight Delta, and she published a notum, didn't she? Or had somebody? They're supposed to yes. on her behalf. Didn't we find and, out that uh, it wasn't actually yeah. published? I don't know. No, I they thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was published. I for thought it was published noon. I thought. I, I thought it was. I thought that's how we found it out. Start at noon because it was a notum. No, Scott was supposed to tell us about yeah, it. Didn't. Somebody yeah. saw it. I think. I think. Papa no, Boris I told you. Told me. I told you about it. I thought your yeah, dad told okay. me about it. I thought I told you guys. I'm no, pretty sure. I'm I'll go pretty through the sure. message and find it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure your dad told us. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, notums. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got on notums because. It, now I will say I do check notums all the time. There have been multiple times that. I have gone to a relatively big airport that has more than one suitable runway for me. And that's the big thing you got to remember. It can be plenty long, but if the wind doesn't align with it, you got to think about what the other runway is that you're going to land on. If you're in a 172, Cirrus, whatever, it doesn't matter. Almost all these airports you'd ever go to, unless the, it has one runway and that one runway is closed, that's pretty embarrassing. But most of the time, we're going to airports that have more than one runway and more than one suitable runway. But does that, when you start thinking, what is a suitable runway? Well, if, if what if it's, so I had, this, I had this instance happen. I was talking about error chains earlier when I did my uh, performance numbers. And so I redid them for, I did all my performance calculations, but I was heavier than expected. I go to a runway, the long runway is closed. I checked the notums the night before. I didn't check them that morning. Long runway is closed. So now I got to use a short runway. A short runway is on any day, plenty long, any day. Well, today happens to be raining. Put in wet numbers. Ah, it's tight. But you got to, so you got to start thinking like, okay, I have this weight. I have these conditions. And now all of a sudden, the long runway I need that was 9,900 feet long. You know, now I got to land on the short runway. It's 5,000 feet long. Does this work? And so it's just, this cascading number of things like I'm having to recompute on the fly um, to make sure that I can make those landing numbers work. Because if not, that's really freaking embarrassing. It's just the typical thing. You get there early in the morning, you're doing all these things. You got a bunch of things you got to figure out catering passengers, airplane being ready. Do I have the fuel I need all these things? And you're just juggling all these balls and you check notams the night before not thinking anything was going to happen in the 10 hours before you go get to the airplane and things do change. So um, with notums, I check them and I've had that type of instance happen more than once. And first time was a wake up call. First time was a wake up call and you do the best you can with them. I mean, we, we really do. That's not really somewhere airplane capability can't bail you out of that one. You know, if you miss a convective sigmet, or not a convective, but like a sigmet and airmet, not a big deal, you know. But um, on, on foreflight, you'll see sigmets like in a big block. If you have your layers uh, turned on correctly, they'll just show you big swatches of the country, like in these different color-coded boxes. I find it tough to like look through that. So like I'm looking more at pilot reports, perhaps. So I can get a little more specific. Things are actually happening, not forecasted. That's just me, though. Yeah, that makes sense. The note I yeah, I remember doing note tams, and it's notice to, notices to air persons now. Air, air missions, yeah, air missions, air missions. Yeah. It's very 
It's very inclusive. Yeah. I and I appreciate that. People who as all people should. Yeah. You don't wanna you don't want people who don't understand the English language to feel left out. That's right. Um we've got ten minutes left. I, is it, I have what's annual the next one versus one hundred hour. This is a good one. This is a good one. Oh, this is this is meaty. We might have to go over, but see if we can do a ten minute. I one. think we can. Annual versus right. 100 hours. So the big question is here when I'm having this conversation with somebody before they're ready for the check ride, because one of the things you're going to do on your check ride is you're going to, you need to <laughs> <laughs> sound healthy. It's, it's, honestly, it's allergies. It, right? Every time, every time this year, sound every, every really? year, this time of year. Um, you, sound, you sound great. Oh, it's, it's, it, yeah, it can be bad. You're going to be sitting with your examiner or an examiner, and you need to prove to them the airworthiness of the aircraft. And so it kind of, and it perfect because it, it guides the conversation about what you know about preventative maintenance and the required inspections and whatever, which is super important when you're going to continue your flying career after you get this private pilot certificate in your hand. You're going to go rent and you're going to go whatever. And I recognize that a lot of people are not going to go comb over logbooks Every time they go rent, I never did whatever, do a thorough pre-flight and just hope for the best. Um, I'd probably be a little bit different now if I were renting, but back then, and I'm sure a lot of people are still that way, they just trust that everything's done and T's are crossed, I's are dotted type thing. So you're going to have this conversation with your examiner and probably something that will come up, should come up, is when an airplane is used for hire, there's a hundred hour inspection that's required. And so like, let's say an airplane, you know, for a banner tower flies 500, that airplane flies 500 hours a year. It's going to get the equivalent of five annual inspections a year because it's basically the same inspection as an annual inspection, but really it boils down to who is authorized to sign off that work. Who is authorized to sign off that inspection of airworthiness and that's that's the real, that's the factor. That's the difference you need for an annual inspection. So that air, that banner tower still fl- flying five hundred hours a year, getting five one hundred hour inspections. That one of those needs to be signed off, or it needs to get an additional inspection as an annual inspection. And that's when you need what you may hear of it as an IA stands for inspection authorization. And you got to think of for light, small aircraft, uh, light aircraft, an annual inspection is the inspection. So IA is an inspection authorization. So they have an A&P with an IA, inspection authorization. For a 100-hour inspection, for so for a lot of um, certificate holders, 135, uh, 121, a lot of them are all, you know, banner towers, crop dusters, uh, uh, pipeline patrol, all these commercial operators, uh, air tours, you know, um, of plane rides, whatever. That a lot of those guys are operating repair stations. A lot of them are operating with just an A and P. And if they have a repair station, of course, that changes things a little bit. But typically, somebody has to have an IA. Um, but if you work for a big maintenance facility, most of them are just operating on airframe and power plant certificate. And they are authorized to sign off a 100-hour inspection. But then if you want to sign off an annual inspection, so for private owners, that is typically what you're dealing with is an annual inspection at once a year, once every 12 calendar months. You need an IA, A&P with an IA, to sign that off. Yeah, most shops I've, I've seen have several A&Ps. And then like one or two, right? IAs. That's yeah, because that's that's just that next level. Um, and I don't know what all the difference is in terms of, um, testing, training, paperwork that is required. You know, but as there's definitely got to be a reason not everybody's an IA would be my guess. But I don't well, I don't know what they was, all are. It's it's been explained to me, but it's been explained to me before. If an A and P is a two-year degree, then an IA is a four-year degree. Basically. That makes sense. I get that. Like if you're comparing just, it, if you're comparing it to a college degree, you right? Know, 
I'm sure the same thing can be said for a private pilot, commercial pilot, ATP. I'm sure all those things can be. I just don't know what, I just don't know what the difference is. There must be a significant reason why, though. I think an AMP, once you hold it for a couple years, you can go through the stuff and there's requirements. Yeah, you can get it takes a couple years. Yes. To actually get your IA. Yes. And I believe you need to have a like a recommending yeah, IA you, and all kinds of stuff. But I don't know what they are. Yeah. Yeah, we should ask the uh Jim a, Jim AMT podcast. Ago. His IA. He was working with uh yeah. Two or three years ago, I think he got it. Who's he working with? Ed. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 Ed did Ed did all the stuff on my plane back in the day. Hmm. Yeah. Out of, Ed, out of uh, Port Clinton. Ed still does. He Ed doesn't work uh he doesn't work out of here anymore. He works out of Toledo Metcalf or Express or whatever. Not Express, but what Metcalf. They call it something different now, don't they? Toledo Executive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think that's where he is. He wow, could that he could be at a different airport over there, I yeah. think. Yeah. I remember. I think that's where he's at, though. Ed wasn't available one year. We we took it to somebody else. I won't say where. And then I remember I flew it back to Sandusky, and there was a me- mechanic there who had his IA, and he was he realized that whoever did this didn't do the the bearings in the wheels. They didn't pull the bearings and grease them. Mm-hmm. He's very upset. It was, it was a it was a scene. Yeah. Yeah, that that was known to happen over there. That's back uh, in those days, yeah. the dark days. <laughs> oh man, the, the the wheel bearings. I listen. I definitely do my wheel bearings every year, but if I didn't do them every year, would it be that big a deal? Probably not. I don't. I mean, what's uh, on an airplane on a? Yeah, I. <laughs> I'm trying on, to on a qualify. 150 that that sees maybe it sees maybe like ten hours a year <laughs> at best. I mean, honestly, even if it like, saw fifty what, hours a year, you could probably do it every two years and be right, fine. Like, right? Like how fast oh, yeah. is it at the, at work at the absolute fastest? <laughs> how fast is that wheel bearing spinning? Sixty miles there? an hour, barely. 60 oh, miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. For how many minutes? Yeah. Of at, the 50 hours you've flown. Not very how much. How many minutes? Right. Six minutes per hour? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, not, not, yeah, not very much. Right. I mean, that's like the lo- the, the like, least the, amount of and, wear and tear duty out yeah. of like any bearing ever in existence like, is on an our, airplane. Our trailers that bore a cycle, we don't change the bearings until they're like smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Like Melting down like Chernobyl. Off. That's when they change them. Yeah. But aren't those yeah. all like sealed and, st- and stuff? <laughs> so, I Dude, I can't so help good. it. It's, I'm coughing you so gonna much right now. You going to make it, Lee? I'm barely. I'm doing fine. feel fine. All right. Uh, let me just cut this so, off. Cause so, I know I, know I started the timer are, later. All right. Yeah. Let's kick this off. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ground crew. We're planning on doing... Um, this is recorded at the end of September. September. I'm planning on doing a run up to Ohio in October do some in-person recording we're hoping for thanks to the ground crew on pilotground.com for the support we're, we're able to do that we're, we'll try to do more and more of these in person um, it's just so so much better when we're all sitting in the same room and we're not relying on Scott's internet um, um, yeah this is the first time we're on Rumble it seemed to work well probably going to use this again uh, Facebook I want three different places we can bop around and I never got more hate from anything other than when we live stream on Facebook. So uh, we X that. I deleted my Facebook. Lee's never had a Facebook. So that's gone. But um, I think we're going to put this in the rotation, the, the rumble here with the YouTube yeah, and Twitch. We got 24, 24 people. That, that's pretty good. Dan said it hit 33 for a while. This is 24-hour notice on a Thursday. Oh, wow. um, we were late, half hour oh, late. So it's not bad. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're going to go into the after chat here for the people in the live stream. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you'll hear 
that live chat probably uh, a week after this is released. See ya. See ya. Thanks. Later.